0: Well, I have a word for you, and I believe that the Lord has this sermon for today. It's not for next week, it's not for last week, it's for this week. Obviously, anything he says you could apply. We're reading a word that's 2,000 and 5,000 years old, text that's still relevant today, so you can apply this, but what I mean by that is... This is the moment that he has something to say, something to encourage you with. So I just want to get right into this. I want to say, firstly, that last week I focused much of the sermon on the fact that eternity is fast approaching. Isn't eternity fast approaching? And, and, I, and I look at it this way. Whether we meet Jesus in heaven, right, at our death, or he comes to get us in the second coming, time is ticking, and we will be there soon, and we must have the right focus. In fact, we must be Christ-focused, and I want to be clear. I don't don't want us to be escape-to-heaven-focused. You guys know what I mean. We're not escape-to-heaven-focused. We are please God before we go to heaven-focused. Amen. All right, we want to be there, but we are here for a season. We're here for a reason. I've been preaching that the greatest thing that we can do, the only thing that really matters is knowing him but in knowing him, right? Who believes Jesus was intimate with the Father? Jesus was in was in oneness, a knowing of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And he had a purpose in the earth. His purpose was not to know God. He, was, he just had this his purpose just as who he was. So when I've been saying your purpose is to know God and not focus on a purpose, I want to be clear today. You have purposes in the earth. The purpose of your creation is to know him. The purpose of you being in the earth is a different thing. All right? We get that. Amen? The purpose of your creation is to know him. The reason you're still on the earth is for his purposes. It's for his will. And what I was just beginning to meditate on this week, and sometimes sometimes, um, I'm preaching a sermon and I'm personally going through other things. You know, we're all going through something. All the time, the Lord's doing something in your life. You're going through something, you're dealing with something, and you're growing, right? Who's growing in the Lord? And sometimes they line up. So this week, it's very personal to me, because I just believe that the Lord is is doing some things in all of us. And in order to please God and to do His will, uh, God has to do some things within us. He has to change us, doesn't He? And I was just beginning to meditate on how God, when we get to heaven, I believe is going to judge us in ways that we don't expect. I think the things that we think mattered aren't going to matter as much, and the things that we didn't think mattered mattered a lot to the Lord. I think that a lot of the things that, that no one may ever even know about you, Things that you've been uh, dealing with or going through or things that you've done that were right because they were right. And it may never bring any fame on the earth to you, just that you stood uh, as, a, as a man or woman of God and you stayed faithful to the Lord and no one will, even, will ever even know what that means. But in order to do that, the Lord must take you through things on purpose so that We learn to trust him. We don't want to go through stuff. And it's not that the Lord does it to you. Many times it's the enemy. Sometimes it's your own doing. Sometimes it's just the fact that we live in a cursed earth. Are you aware that you are living under a curse? Now, you're not cursed, amen, because we're in Christ, right? But I still run out of breath when I run, and I want to keep running, right? but it's only because your body is subject to this earth and it's saying you need oxygen. Now outside, who believes that in heaven you're going to need oxygen? Anybody think you're going to run out of breath? Remember, Jesus was a new body. Jesus came back in some form of a physical body. They touched him and he ate and he drank, but then he just passed through the wall when he wanted to leave. So somehow in eternity, there is a, uh, a physical part we think of spirit as just like, you know, some sort of ghostly, like, you know, kind of wispy air, you know, little baby angels in clouds. And that's not heaven. It's physical. It's going to be physical, and yet it's not going to have some of the curses of this earth. Uh, you're going to eat for enjoyment, not for necessarily for need. You're not going to breathe because you, you don't need oxygen. You're just going to have the glory of the Lord. We, I just looked, we were looking in Revelation how you're not going to need the sun because of his glory. So some things are going to be different, but yet we're going to be physical. So, but we're in this earth, and it's for a purpose for God's glory. God is trying to get his glory to shine through you. Why? Because each and every one of us in here saw the glory of God in someone else. Now, a lot of people, we like to be rogue. We like to be rebels. We like to be renegades and say, nobody taught me anything. No one did anything for me. I did it all in my own strength. I did everything. You know, it was, you know, no one gave me a start. I had to do it all. And that's just human nature. But the reality is that's a lie that you saw another believer, that something about that person, it was Christ in them. Right. But something about them was attractive to you and the message that they were speaking. Right. But God used people. Amen. God used people to get to you. You may think you found him on your own. People have had testimonies that Jesus showed up in their living room. I've heard those testimonies. Uh, but at somewhere along the way, somebody came along and coached them and taught them either beforehand or afterwards. So my point is, is that God wants to use you in the earth for his glory. And in order for that to come out and and to glow and to be to be right and not be mixed with flesh, uh, we he allows us, and and that's why I was getting into that. Sometimes it's the enemy, sometimes it's you doing it, sometimes it's just the earth. He allows those things so that we push through them, we look past those things, and we trust in God. Am I making any sense so far? It's because I have something. I guess it's simple, but it's also deep, so I don't know, in an effort to try to make it simple, I don't know if I'm making it more complicated. (laughs) But how does God get character out of us? How does God change us so that we become like him? Does God just implant his will into you, and you just now have his will, and you just do his will? I think some things in us supernaturally change overnight. You just start talking differently, thinking differently. And some of those things happen. But who has found as being believers that most of the things that now are strengths in you are because you had to exercise those spiritual muscles? Right? Just like in the natural, a muscle, even your heart, even your mind is a muscle. These things need exercise, right? Whether it's physical strength or mental capacity, right? There are things you must do to exercise those muscles to strengthen them. And in the same way, the spiritual strengths we have today are because the Lord forced us to exercise those places in our life, like faith. And so how does God get us to do his will? How does he get us to a place where we have the character and the image of Christ? And What's amazing is, is that I've been, I pro- preached last week that while you're on the earth, you must we have a call to please God. But what's amazing is, is God doesn't even expect you to please him with your own abilities. All that God wants you to do is please him by letting him work in you. It's actually all for him and all for his glory. So that even when you please him, you can't even say, I did these things for the Lord. Lord, look at all these things I did for you. Look at how I pleased you. You would have to then say, but, but, yes, Lord, I did do all those things and I did please you. But I would be a fool to think that I did any of those things to please you in my own strength, in my own will, without first being supernaturally changed by you. And who can testify of those things already in your life? I think when we truly know God like Jesus told us about, like the way he knew the Father and the way that he walked on the earth, when we know him like that, we will walk like him. And I want to say this very clearly. Not trying to fulfill a purpose, but doing God's will. All right, I want to say that again. You're not trying to fulfill a purpose. You're just doing God's will. And that will accomplish God's purpose without you trying. If you do the Lord's will, it will accomplish God's purpose. Uh, So, we have God in heaven, and we're on the earth. How does God develop? I've been asking this question. How does he develop character in us? How does he get us to trust him? How does God get you to trust him? He can't really do any more. The Bible says, really, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I did everything, and if there was more I could do, I would do it. I can't do any more. I've already sent my son. I literally spared nothing and no one. I spared not even my only son in his blood. So there's not really any more that God can do to prove himself to us. So it's not God doing some big show, because I began to meditate on how If the Lord just stepped in this room and did a miracle, you might think, oh man, that's it. That's all I need. I just need the Lord to do a miracle in my life and then I'll trust him. Then I'll give him glory. And it's actually not true. Yes, I believe that the Lord can do that and I believe he does do it all the time. There are many, many, many miracles that we all can testify of. But I was meditating on how 10 lepers were healed and only one comes back and Jesus takes note of that. He says, didn't I heal ten lepers and only one of you came back to give glory to God? So it's not his goodness. It's not even seeing him do something glorious and magnificent that that really makes us want to trust him. I'm going to say something that you don't want to hear today, but it is the word of the Lord. In order for us to trust the Lord, the Lord must, us, must allow us to be put into places that we have no choice but to trust him. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's an amazing place to be in. Who has been in that place? And you didn't enjoy the circumstances or the path. You know, the whole thing necessarily wasn't the most fun time in your life, but when you learn to truly trust God, how amazing, how amazing is that place and the strengths that you have next time. Amen. I want you to look with me in the book of Romans, chapter 5. I have quite a bit of Scripture. If I don't get to all of it, then so be it. But I'm going to try to, as I always say, I'm going to try to give you a lot of Scripture today. So everybody, we used to bring our Bibles to church. I got Lena doing our Scriptures today, and she's going to do a great job. But it just, I just want us to be mentally engaged, and so we're going to have it on the screen. But just, just be engaged with us all together. Today, I just believe that the Lord's gonna say some things, but I'm gonna move quickly here. It says Romans chapter 5 verse 1 He says we've been made right in God's sight by faith And we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us and because of our faith Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand. Your translation might say something like, we have access by faith into this grace. Everybody say, I have access by faith into this grace. So Romans 5 is saying, Jesus did something miraculous in your life. Jesus provided a way for you, and it is through my faith. I just want you to put your hands up with me. I know I ask us to do this, and I'm just going to wait till everybody's hands I'm not looking, but just I have faith. That's it. That's it. I just want you to realize it, this is you. This is you personally. It's not me. It's not, it's not, it's not the, the church having faith that, that for you is going to be just you and him standing at the throne of judgment one day. Just you and him. That means right now, yes, we can gather around each other, and we can pray for each other, and we can believe for each other, and I think we need, not I think, I know, and that's what the word tells us, that we need to do that. But this is a personal thing. I want you to realize that it is your faith. It is really by believing God that you, that you receive salvation, right? Nobody was forced into salvation, right? We all said, Jesus, I believe you. At some point, even if it was mustard seed faith, you put yourself at the altar, right? And you said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. I repent of my sins. And so it was your faith that began the work, right, that Jesus began to do in you. Amen. And it's by faith that we continue to walk in the grace of God. It is, a, it is an unbelievable thing that he's doing in us, giving us grace, But I want you to realize that we accessed, even though you can't deserve it and you can't earn it, it was accessed. Come on, let's just get this. Grace, even though it's undeserved, was accessed by your faith. Now, it was given before you believed, right, Dan? It was was available before you believed, right? We could read further into Romans, right, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. All right, so he already did it. It's, I, I think the best analogy that I've heard and I've told you before is think of a parent who puts a college fund to the side. It's already done. Doesn't Maybe the child's going to be a rebellious child and doesn't want to go to college. I'm not saying that people don't go to college or rebellious, but I'm saying the parents, you know, done the work, they put the money here and here you go and here's everything and I'm going to send you, here's a car to go back and forth to school or whatever. And But it is by your... It is by your action, your faith. Okay, I believe it, and I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to enter in to this gift that's been given me. Amen. You have to understand that even though grace is so incredible and it's amazing and it does things I can't even understand in my life and provides a path for me and and covers me and. The Lord's blood is grace over you, amen, right? But, and it was done before you could have ever earned it, but I need you to get something that it's accessed by your belief. And what happens is the devil is after your faith. He's after that place, we're gonna call it faith, we're gonna call it belief, we're gonna call it trust. I'm gonna say those as synonyms today, okay? That it's that place where I believe God, I trust God, I stay walking and believing God. But my Bible says, That there is a grace that comes in your life, that God's given you, and it's accessed through that belief. So let's continue here. It says, and we confidently, verse 2, and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Amen. This is eternal, right? We're going to one day share in his glory. And we can rejoice too. verse 3, Wait a second, hold on a second. This must be something else. I'm just talking about this amazing grace and what the Lord's done for us. I think maybe I must have. Did I just skip? Did I turn to a different chapter? And wait a second. We confidently, verse 2, and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Yeah, no, that's it. Verse 3. We can rejoice too. Everybody say, we can rejoice too. So he says, I want you to rejoice in this. You've accessed this amazing place in God, this grace. All you did was just believe him. All right, and we, we just established that. And that's going to continue. I'm going to keep believing him. He's going to keep just giving me I don't deserve it. I'm just going to believe him. I'm just going to trust him, and he's going to do things supernaturally in my life. And in the same way that I believe and enter into this place that is just unbelievable in God, and a lot of Christians camp there, and then as soon as they get to verse three, they don't understand, and they think that God has abandoned them. And I'm here to tell you that God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. God has not unaware of what you're going through, but my Bible says in the same way that I thank God for his grace and I give him my life, that I'm going to rejoice when we run into problems. You may know it as tribulations. When I run into tribulations and problems and trials, it says that I should have joy. It says, for we know that they, what is they? What's they referring to here? What's the they? It's the trial. It's the problem. It's the tribulation. What does it do? My Bible says that I believe God. He gives me grace. But it also says that something else is happening at the same time. And in fact, they're tied together because I can't do what he's about to tell me in verse 3 without his grace. And I can't access his grace without believing that God is God and he's going to do it in my life. And in fact, a person whether they're in God or outside of God, the stubborn person who doesn't want to believe him, or the person who says, I believe you, Jesus, but they're stubborn about really believing him, you're going to end up being in this place at verse 3 and being very frustrated. The world is frustrated, and the devil wants Christians to be frustrated because he doesn't want us to understand that this is a part of the process. A lot of Christians get here, and then they're like, man, what is going on? God, where are you? And God's like, I'm in it. Say, I want you to say this out loud. God is in it. We can rejoice, too, when we run into these things, for they help us develop endurance, or your translation might say perseverance. I'm going to read to you both definitions my NLT says endurance, New King James says perseverance. They're very similar words. I want you to hear the definition. Endurance means are you guys tracking with me? Or are we good? It means the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged, stressful effort or activity. Endurance is a marathon runner's endurance. It's the act or an instance of enduring or suffering, endurance of many hardships. And perseverance, very similar word. It means continued effort. Everybody say continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. It's the action or condition of an instance of persevering that means steadfastness. So basically, endurance or perseverance, you could look at either word, and what they're talking about is the person who continues, the one who keeps going. I want to tell you right now, the devil, the greatest attack that he does to a Christian is to try to get you to quit. And if he can't get you out of heaven, just wants to quit you having faith. Quick, you trust, you're you're like, you know what? I believe I'm going to go to heaven, but trusting God for every little thing is just frustrating me because I'm saying I'm trusting him and it's getting worse. I say I believe him and I don't know, and it seems like I'm afraid to say it. I'm afraid to say God's going to do this and this in my life because the moment I do, I feel like that's when I get attacked. I'd rather not even say I believe. Come on, who's been there? And it's because the enemy knows that there is power in your faith And your trust, there is power in you believing. And he's after that place. But the Bible says that God allows the same exact situation. Now, let's just get this picture. You ready for this? God's not saying he does it to you, but he's saying the situation you're going through, God's going to use it because while the devil's trying to squash you and get your faith into something else, someone else, God's saying that very same exact place. I'll give you grace. Just keep believing in me because I want you to have character. Everybody say character. The Bible says that if we will withstand, if we will just continue, just keep trusting, keep believing, just keep saying, Lord, you're Lord. In fact, this is something I've done many times and uh, it has nothing to do with money, but at times where I feel like Maybe my trust has been wavering. You know what I do? I'll get online. I find someone to give to, and I give. And it has nothing to do with money. It's not, not saying that I don't trust him financially. Maybe it's physical or whatever. Maybe I'm mental struggles. But I will literally give. You know why I do that? So I can prove to myself and prove to the enemy. And just put, I need to be put, put it out there in the spirit. My trust is in the Lord. It is not in me, and it's not in self, and it's not in strength. Amen. Praise God. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that this perseverance, verse 4, this endurance, it develops. So if I will continue, the Lord says you're going through whatever. What Everybody's going through something different. Some physical, some mental, some spiritual. And we broke some things during worship. Some things need to be broken, okay? Some things the Lord does not want on there. The enemy is doing things that are oppressive And we need to continue to break them and pray the name of Jesus. But the Lord is also saying that in the moments that you're waiting for your miracle, in the time where you're waiting for the Lord to break through in your life, God's using that time so that you say, I'm just going to trust him until I see it. I'm going to believe him until I see the breakthroughs. I'm going to keep praying the name of Jesus. But then there's that gap of time, that mystery time, where people then get frustrated and they think that they're doing something wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. Just keep believing God. Just keep trusting him in the meantime. That's where you need to be because the Bible says when we do that, it says it develops strength of character. And it says character strengthens. This is amazing. I was just reminded, I feel like maybe this was a common theme of a lot of my preaching for years, and then I don't think this has been very common in my, in my preaching for at least the last year. Maybe it'll sound like he preaches on this all the time, but for me, going through my sermons, I'm like, no, I really haven't touched this topic in at least a year. But I was just reminded, I went here and started to read this, and I was just, I'm gobbling this up, like this is such good life for me. This is good food for my spirit. This is what it says. This is incredible. It says, endurance develops strength of character. All right, so the Lord's trying to get character. How do I do his will? Well, now I've been formed into this, this person. I have learned his will. How did I learn it? I learned it by going through something. And then I see, wow, it was an instant. But I see God's character. I see his nature. And then I read in the word, it took 400 years for this, took 20 years for that, took 13 years for this, 17 years for that. And wow, now my life is lining up with the word. It's not an instant happy meal gospel. And he's building somebody. He's building a church, right? Building a people that truly trust in God and not in some sort of a quick miracle that is quickly forgotten. But the Bible says this is what happens, that that actually is circular. It all started with my belief, accessing his grace, but it puts me, then the Lord's like, okay, here we go. You got my grace, but here we go. We're going to go through some things. I'm going to get some junk out of your life, and you're not going to enjoy this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to allow it because you're going to learn to trust me, and as you trust me, The Bible says it strengthens my hope in salvation. Who has learned to to love the Lord more after you see him deliver you through something that, you know, the instance I love, I love, love, love. I I mean, let me just say it out loud. I love when I pray and it happens quick. Come on. I don't want to put, I'm not putting it on anybody and I'm putting it on myself that, Lord, I want it to take a long time. I love when I pray and the answer is instant. Instant. But sometimes it's not, and it's not, you're not doing anything wrong, necessarily. You keep seeking the Lord. If there's something wrong, just just believe he's going to show you. If you're in his, if you are in his presence, then why would he hide that from you? He's going to reveal it pretty quickly. The prophets, even the greats. We got John falling on his face in Revelation, Right? When he sees the glory of the Lord, all the prophets did. Listen, you got something wrong, get into his presence. Don't let the devil trap you. If you are spending time with God and you're still waiting for a miracle, then there's probably not something wrong unless you're being stubborn about it, and then the Lord's going to keep showing you that you're being stubborn about it. What we really need to do is just keep trusting him. We're learning that God is God, and he will do what he's going to do when he's going to do it and how he's going to do it. Just like a parent doesn't, imagine a parent, we were just talking about this, imagine a parent, every time a child stamps their feet up and down on the ground, that the parent just cowers to the child. What kind of character is that child? That child, listen, I think that happened too much. I see a lot of those adults. (laughs) I see a lot of those adults in the world I live in, and they think it's all about them. Man. If I don't just bow to every little whim of their desires, that's the way they were raised. It's not healthy, is it? The Lord's looking for strong, healthy, quality people, people that really just believe God and trust God. And how does he do it? He allows you to go through some things sometimes so that we learn that trusting him isn't instantaneous. And I was meditating on how You know, the Bible says that the Lord sows seed, and it's not just your salvation, right? The parable of the sower. It's not just the word, but he's constantly giving word, giving revelation, right? Who believes that? Who believes every time you read the word, there's a chance for good seed and good ground? Amen. Every time I read it, there's good seed there, and I want it to get down deep in good ground, I don't want to just read it and just let it it says that those who don't understand, I'm gonna give it very quickly because time, I don't know how that clock ticks that fast. It's it's double time. It's 2x. Sometimes I watch YouTube in 2x. I'm like, just show me what you want to show me. I don't care to see every a little detail. That's how that clock's moving back there. Thank you. Because this is what the Bible says. It says, it says that those who don't understand, they just brush it off. It falls on the footpath where it just falls and just blows away in the wind, it's because they didn't understand. And sometimes we read the word, and we're just like, okay, that was a good little reading, just gone. But you know what it also says? It says some receive it with joy, and it actually plants, and it actually begins to grow. What the Bible says as soon as trouble comes, as soon as a trial comes, this is not just salvation. I've seen that for people, right? They come in, they do the sinner's prayer, they come, "Oh, Lord, I love you." 2 weeks later, they're like the worst sinner you ever met. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't love them, right, Rick? <laughs> I'm not saying the Lord doesn't love them, and he's got so much grace for them. Right? But it's easy to do. And that's just because, you know, whatever. It says the it says the it says that sometimes the seed gets planted, but the cares of this life come in, and they choke it. So, but good, but, we, but finally, the good seed in good ground produces life, and abundantly, amen. So, the Lord is looking for the person who has this character, who trusts him. It's not, if as soon, he wants a person that every little thing that comes in your life doesn't affect you. It doesn't mean you don't have internal struggles. It means you take them back to the Lord and you know the answer every time. I know what I need to do. I need to go I need to go seek God. I need to get before his face. That's my answer and there is no other answer. Stop thinking there's other answers and there's not. The world's trying to give even the church today, this modern church is trying to give all these Extra answers. Well, it's Jesus, but it's also counseling. And I have no problem with that, but that's actually wrong. Unless the counseling is from the from the Lord, from literally, we're gonna dissect the counselor, should be like, let's dissect the word on your issue. That's the answer. Jesus is the only other answer. All that it does is just delay and, and, and drags out this process in us, and it doesn't need to be that way. It says and this hope that we get of salvation, it will not disappoint. Amen. In First Peter, and you can read it in your own time, but chapter 1, you see the same thing just quickly. You don't even have to put this up on the screen, but you guys all know it. First Peter chapter 1, he talks about this priceless inheritance I have, and you're all encouraged. You're tracking with Peter. You're going, wow, this is amazing. I've been born again. I've got an inheritance in heaven. Wow, this is amazing. And he says, and through faith... Same thing, verse 5. He says, God's protecting me by his power until I receive the salvation. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden it says, uh, verse 6. So, 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 I'd like to talk to you about something else now. Hold on a second, Peter. I was tracking with you great for, for the first five verses. Man, salvation, power, power of God, heaven. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, I wanted to get into something else, though. And you're like, okay, Peter, okay, I don't like your tone. So, be truly glad. In other words, I took five verses to boost you because what I'm about to say is going you're not going to like it. So I just wanted you to be reminded first. I wanted you to be reminded of how great the Lord is and how great his power is. Because it says in verse 6, be truly glad, there's wonderful joy ahead Even though, everybody say, even though. I want you to read a word that's very, very important. It says, even though, even though, verse 6. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. It says, even though you may, come on, is that what your Bible says? Whose Bible says that you may endure trials? Even though you may endure. What's it say? Must. I heard a preacher say recently, and I think it is so good. I think I'll get into it next week. The wilderness is a necessary part of a believer's life. It is not something that some people go through and some people don't a real believer has to go through the wilderness. You have to. It is where God truly shows himself to you. We love the honeymoon stage with the Lord, but the wilderness place is where we learn God. Right? Husband and wife, they go on a honeymoon. They have no bills. Sitting on those islands. Got that blue water. Right, you're like, oh Jesus, salvation's so good. Your presence is amazing. Then you come home. I don't even say any. I don't need to even say any more. You guys are already chuckling. Why? You guys know the next part of the story. Why? But what happens? That's where real love. That wasn't love. That was fine, right, Dawn? We had a good time on our honeymoon. It's lovey. It's lovey. But real love was when she and I could get through the issues of life together. Where we, That's where we really learn who each other is. It's easy to love when you have no stress. But the stress of life is what makes you choose to love. Come on. So when Jesus comes and finds you in salvation, he's kind to you. It's a honeymoon, but then he wants you to choose to love him. You don't even know why you love him yet. You just know, you've just heard the message, I'm a sinner, and I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. That's the simplicity of the gospel, it is. I can do that on the battlefield, and that guy's going to heaven. But now here you on the earth. He doesn't want some child now. He wants you to grow and trust him and learn, and then you'll be a light for him. It says, verse 7, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. So the Bible says we must go through trials and tribulations because there is a genuineness that God is looking to get out of us. Wow. Who's encouraged by this word today? I did not get to all the scripture, but the Holy Spirit had his own plan. He said, I want you to preach it next week, obviously. So let me just read these verses. I'm sure we'll look at these again, but just let's read the rest of this verse. What's being Tested as fire, what is it? Our faith. Remember, that's what the devil's after. Remember, because I enter a place of grace through faith. He doesn't want me in grace, he wants me in frustration. He wants me in the struggle, he wants me burdened just like the rest of the world. The Lord wants me to have faith, which means I'm going through the same exact thing. We're all, listen this bank that just collapsed in California is equals the same for the believer and the unbeliever, okay? I don't know what that's going to be, but that's what happened in 2008, just so you know, and an even greater state. We're just not really talking about it a lot yet. We would just live this. I'm not trying to be a bear of bad news. We just lived it. I don't know, and we just went through a whole bunch of years that I don't really want to live again. But we as believers had faith in the Lord, didn't we? The world was without hope. I had hope through it. Who had hope through it? We had hope. Because the Lord is allowing, we we still live in the same exact world, but he's allowing you to live in it as well. So then we say, well, I don't understand. And you know what? Even if this whole thing collapses and even if we die, I know where we're going to be. I know where my eternity is. I know where my inheritance is. We don't want to do that. I want the Lord to use me in this earth for now while I'm here. But I'm, I'm trusting in him. So, what's he doing? The Lord is actually purifying. He's purifying you. He says right here, just like gold, we'll get into this, but gold is tried, it's heated. In fact, the purifier, you know what he does? He heats it. You know what he does next? Heats it again. You know what he does next? Heats it again. And the guy to, the, the guy who's here purifying this gold, the purifier, he's going to be heating it seven times to truly get that gold to a liquid state where all the impurities have come to the surface. What happens? Come on. You get into a hard time. What's your first inclination? Come on, it's really easy. Flesh. When my back was hurting, I'm just going to be so honest with you guys. And hopefully you don't judge me. I said, if there was a time I wanted to swear, it's now. Because I was in pain. But you know what? The devil wants you to swear. The Lord says, I'm not offended that you want to swear. What I want you to do is let this process work. Because what happens? How is gold heated? You know why he heats it? Because there's junk in there. Why does he allow it? So that that inclination in you is exposed. The devil's like, now the devil comes to judge you for the thing that he wants you to do. And the Lord's like, I'm not judging you. I want you to let me have it. So in that place, what do I do? The the purifier of gold, you know what he does? He throws an element called flux in. You know what flux does? Makes all those impurities float to the surface, and then you know he does very simple. He just scoops it off. Oh, that's that's sim- simple for you, Lord. Is that it? <laughs> How simple you just scoop it off. And you know what happens if the gold is stubborn? You know what he does? Heats it again. Listen, you don't let the impurities out. He's just gonna heat you again. Why? Because he wants purity. Why does he want purity? And we could get, that's a whole nother, there's a whole bunch of levels to that. We, we're not going to get into that right now at this time. Right, but he wants purity. We know that, right? Amen. And it says, what's going to happen? It says, your faith remains strong. What happens? That's when I, that's when I really begin to just trust God. I really believe God. This belief in him, that's where it's real. You can say you believe in gravity, but until they open the door and you trust that parachute, you didn't believe in gravity until now. Once that faith is required to be in use, now you actually have it. All you had before was, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Wait a second. <laughs> That's from a movie. But it says, your faith remains strong. When your faith remains strong to many trials, it will bring you. It'll bring You. Praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Why? Because we get to a share in his glory. That's the Lord's glory we're talking about here. But we share in his glory because we've gone through what Christ has gone through. He was there with us. Amen. Wow, that was so good. It was good for, I mean, I'm encouraged preaching it. I'm encouraged. I encouraged myself through the word today. I just, I I know that I know the Lord's going to do something supernatural in you through this word. Something is changing in us. Praise God. And we'll get into some deeper stuff next week. But just praise the Lord. We just thank you, Jesus. We thank you that this word is what we just said today, Lord. And I say it every Sunday. It is good seed. And Lord, I'm not going to just let it go in my lack of understanding. I'm not going to let it just breeze by. I'm going to plant it down. I'm going to protect this word. I want to protect what you've given me, Lord, deep inside. I want to hold it there and keep it there because, Lord, I thank you there's life that you want to grow in me and through me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God.